This morning's scripture reading is from Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in, the next un- in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Indeed, you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I'm walking in the light, but that's a little too much light. (laughs) Okay, there we go. We're going to. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Bill, for reading the scripture, and thank you, uh, Felipe and Molly Nuche, for the music this morning. Wonderful selection of songs. <clears throat> I love that song. It is well, well with my soul, and I trust this morning it is well with yours. Um, Shane has given us a picture in our bulletin this morning, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Beautiful picture of serenity, of peace. Uh, The peace that God brings when he has forgiven us and made us right before him. And uh, that's a beautiful picture. This morning we're going to be looking at Ephesians, those verses that Bill read in Ephesians chapter 4. So you turn with me there or stay turned with me there. And it's an interesting passage of scripture because 
Um, I'm going to get to the right notes here in a minute. have quite enough room. Um, because what's going to happen here in the book of Ephesians is that he is going to transition into giving us a bunch of instructions on what it looks like to be <clears throat> a follower of Christ. He's going to tell us about things in chapter, the rest of chapter 4, 5, and 6 that uh, we need to put off this and we need to put on that. We need to um, <clears throat> live like this. We need to be uh, better husbands, better wives, better people. Um, and, but before he jumps into that, uh, he's going to go to the well one more time about why, who we are. And I would suggest this morning that this is one of the most important truths that we can get a grasp on in Scripture. Many of us over the years of being raised in different Sunday schools and churches and what have you, maybe there in your life there's been an emphasis on your conduct. You, you need to quit lying. You need to quit rebelling. You need to quit lying, doing this and doing that. And you need to start doing this and that. <clears throat> and those are moral issues. Um, Derek did a wonderful job two Sundays ago uh, speaking to that issue that if, if all we look at is cleaning up our act as a moral issue, it will be, it will be in a very frustrated situation. I want to tell you that uh, maybe in the fall I'll have a chance to bring a couple messages on what happens in churches when uh, the truths that Paul is trying to explain to us here and in the first three chapters of Ephesians, when, when we don't have a good grasp on that, and a church moves over to how it looks, how we act, uh, how we behave, uh, our conduct, how I look, am I respectable? Am, uh, does everybody think that I'm okay? Um, as, I, as I come together with my Christian friends, uh, I, have to, I have to wear the, the, the best face. I have to put on the best uh, facade. Because if they really knew what was going on in my life today, uh, they probably wouldn't respect me. They probably wouldn't like me. They probably would think ill of me. If they knew the sins I was, was struggling with today, if I was to open up and let people know uh, the temptations in my heart, uh, the selfishness, that's so deep within me. Uh, if, I, if I would open that up a little bit, I'm not sure what would happen. And, and <clears throat> many churches, or I, I, I shouldn't say that, in a church where um, the outward appearance is more important than transparency and understanding of what God has really done for us. And it really is well with my soul. Why is it well with my soul? Because I confess my sins. I can confess my sins. I can live transparently around other people. It, 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 <clears throat> it is a terrible thing when 
Christianity has a mask. Um, and that mask um, keeps us from going deeper with one another and deeper in the word and realizing it's okay <clears throat> to be where I am right now in my life because God is working on me and what he's done in my life. You see, uh, what Paul does here in these verses, he's going to remind us where we were, and then he's going to tell us where we are. The, this is a theme that goes over and over and over in Scripture. He's even going to do it as he goes on through the rest of the book, telling us how we ought to live, telling us what kind of husbands we ought to be, what kind of wives we ought to be, what kind of children we ought to be, what kind of neighbor we ought to be, what kind of employee we ought to be, all those things. Even, even when he's telling us those things, he's going to keep reminding us it's because who we are, who we are already in Christ as a new creature, what God has already done for us. Um, in those verses, he says, um, you were once, there was, a, look there at uh, the beginning there in 17, I just wrote some um, words out of there. There was uh, lying and bitterness and anger and gossip and slander and immorality and greed and a loose tongue. Um, that, that, that's where you were. And um, then we want to address this morning a little bit and more next Sunday about, yeah, but I, I still have trouble with some of those things. Yeah, well, I understand that. Uh, the, new, the new life, the new person, is still living in this old flesh. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit this morning more. But this is where you were. This is where you were placed. This was your nature in the past. And God has taken you up out of that. And if you've trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he's indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, and he's pulled you up out of that, and he's set you on new ground. He's made you a new person in Christ Jesus. And he's done that, that you might live righteously and holy and um, Christ-like, okay? Now, it, it's interesting, and I think we should note here, that he does not say that you're going to change, you should change in these next chapters, that you should put away lying, you put on truth, you put away stealing, you put on hard work, you, you put away bitterness and, and, you, and malice, and you put on forgiveness and kindness. He does not say, it's interesting what he does not say that, the reason for that. He does not say the reason for that is that you will be a better husband. He does not say that the reason for doing that is you'll be a better wife. He does not say that the reason for cleaning up your act will make you a better employee, get you a better job. He does not say that if, if you quit being bitter and angry and act like you should with your neighbor, your neighbor will be a better neighbor. Well, certainly, if the changes that he's asking us to make in chapters 4, 5, and 6 were to take place in our lives, it would follow that we should have a better marriage, we should have... Um, 
a better relationship with our children. We should have a better relationship with our neighbor. We sh maybe even should get a promotion because we're more trustworthy, we're more honest, we're more hardworking, we're more diligent. You, you might even get a better job for all that. But that's not why he says you need to put the old man off and put the new man on. He says you need that, you need to do that because you have been renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. You have been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. You've been taking, taken from an old kingdom, the kingdom of self, and placed into the new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, it would look like and sometimes we probably even make the mistake of trying to encourage people to come to Christ for the benefits they will have. Now, in Steve's presentation, I can't help but rejoice for children who've been taken out of poverty and hardship and broken homes and placed into a loving relationship. You can see in that instance how life on earth is better for them. But if you turn right around in that same country and talk to some other folks that have come to Christ in a different situation, life gets indeed harder for them. In fact, they're persecuted for it. In fact, they're even put to death for it. People lose their jobs for it. You see, so the, this thing of Christianity is that he is going to tell us how we need to clean up our act is not basically for our benefit. It is just because we've been transferred to another kingdom. We've taken out of the old kingdom. The reason Paul would not suggest that life would get better, because it wouldn't be consistent, it might get better for some, and obviously it gets worse for others uh, when they come to Christ. Their, their circumstances of life come worse. Uh, scripture even tell, gives us instructions for for instance, um, wives, uh, you come to Christ if your husband doesn't come to Christ and, and he may leave you. That happens. Um, family members turn on you. There's, there's all kinds of bad things that can happen to folks who come to Christ. But the good thing is you get moved out of that little kingdom of your own and you get placed into God's kingdom. And that's what he's trying to help us understand is this perspective of glory, this perspective of transcendence. Um, I, I wrote down the definition of transcendence, and I want to share it with you because I, I think it's an important thing. Transcendence, the state of being beyond and outside of the ordinary range of human experience. The state of being beyond and outside of the range of ordinary human experience. That's what, how God has created us. He's created us to live outside of the little worlds that we have. We, sure, we have to, we go to work, we do our things, we, we go through life. But there is something bigger than that. 
and God has created us for something bigger than that. It's, he calls it glory, the glory of God. Turn with me to Genesis, and we'll go back to see. Uh, th this helps me to understand. Go to Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, someplace in there. Chapter 1, let's go there. Um, this helps me to understand um, the struggle that I'm in. God and he's created um, genius. We go through the first chapter of Genesis and he just, he just describes the creating, him creating this earth and this universe and, and, and just the perfectness of it. And he creates man and, he, and then he creates woman. And you want to stop there and think about that a little bit. I do. Because man and woman were placed in a situation, were created and placed in a situation where it was absolutely perfect. And it was beyond description. They, they could see and understand to a degree the universe, the whole world, the beauty, the animals, God's creative power and beauty. And beyond that, God would take the time to walk with them and talk with them. This is how we were, this is the intent of God when he created us. Created us for the glory of God. It, it, it wouldn't be at that point where you'd say, well, uh, how about me, God? Uh, I, I, been, been wondering about me. No, you're just, you're just, God, how, wow, could you explain this to me? Could you, could you tell me about this? And God did. He, he gave them communication skills. He hardwired them to be able to communicate with him. He didn't do that with the animals. He does that with the humans. And that's what they were created into, this idea of walking daily with the creator of the universe. I just, I, I just can't hardly wrap my mind around what that would have been like. How awesome that would have been. That's what they were created for, the glory of God. And then they traded it. Um, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, what? What will happen to you? What will happen to you if you just eat that fruit? Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Wow. My own kingdom. 
I'd be the boss. I'd be like, go on. Oh, I, I, could, I could maybe communicate and talk with God and whatnot, but I have, I'd be like him. I have my own kingdom, my own self-rule. I'd be the decision maker. It'll be about me. And from that day forward, we all struggle with that. That's the little kingdom. That's the little kingdom. He has built us for glory. He said in, back in Ephesians, turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. He, sum, he summed up how we used to be in one phrase, and I wanted, I wanted to show that to you. Uh, go back to it there in Ephesians. In verse uh, 22, Ephesians 4.22, he said that in reference to your former manner of life, okay, he's talking about the past, you lay aside the old self, which has been corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Now, we could probably, lusts are our desires, deceit is being deceived. So we could probably say, a, a little more clearly there, what that means is don't be fooled, or we were fooled, by deceitful desires. They're desires, but they're deceitful. They seem like they're going to lead us someplace. Even Adam, it seemed like they were going to lead them to wisdom. It seemed like it was going to lead them to having their own little kingdom. It seemed like they were going to have self-rule. But what was it? It led to death. It led to a, a separation from them and God. You see, that's what deceitful desires do to us. They're all around us. And what happens when we chase them we chase that desire. I, I, I want more of this. I, uh, I think I could have more security if I had a little better income. I think I could be, uh, have, uh, be happier if I had a little more pleasure, I had more things. I think uh, I could be happier if, um, and whatever those desires are. And they look like they're going to lead us to something really good. But in our little kingdom, they're deceitful. Because God didn't make us to live that way. He, make us, he made us to live above those things. In his kingdom, to understand his kingdom, to be thrilled at him and what he is doing. See, he's built us for glory. We love glory. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples of glory. Um, Glory is an idea of, of uh, being kind of going beyond what we are and, and getting the excitement and the thrill and the, the wonderful that we maybe couldn't hardly experience, but we get, we get that. Get, give me the glory or, or whatever. Uh, many of you know we went down last Sunday, to, the family went down to San Francisco and watched the Giants 
because Conor Menez was going to start as a starting pitcher for the Giants. Well, Conor Menez is uh, Scott and Gina's second son. Um, we saw him being raised as a little tyke in uh, Modoc County when we were up there when Scott and Gina were with us up there. Uh, we played ball with him in the living room and all that sort of stuff. He, he, he pitched his first game in Modoc Little League. And we followed that boy and that family, of course, for years. And we watched him when he signed with the Giants and, and, um, and three years through the minor leagues. And then last Saturday, I was up in Modoc County to do a wedding. And I got a text message, and it was from Scott. He said, he's starting Sunday. I called him up, starting Sunday. What a thrill. What a thrill. What a, I mean, it's, I mean, I told those folks up there, I said, we got to get done with this wedding and get going. I, I got a ball game to go to. <laughs> and they understood that because actually they knew Scott and Gina and they knew Connor when he was a little kid up there. And they were excited about it too. So we hustled down. We went down to the ballpark and, and uh, I had a uh, sausage egg biscuit at 7 in the morning, we drove to the ballpark, watched that kid pitch, ended up down underneath meeting he and meeting with him and watching the other players and all that after the game underneath. And I didn't eat until like 7 that night, whatever it was. And you know what? It didn't bother me a bit because I was in my glory. It was glorious to experience with that kid the thrill of being a major league pitcher, pitching in front of 45,000 people and people on, and how many million on TV? I don't know. But to be there and to watch him, it, it was like, yeah, I'm there. Oh, yeah, that's, <clears throat> and we're sitting in the stands and you're, oh, yeah, well, that, I know that kid, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, and well, here's his dad and you know, it's just a thrill, but that, that's, that's kind of a taste of what glory is on this earth. It's, it's a little bit above everything else. I, I, I can't go out there and pitch. I can't go out there and play. But he went out there for me. And I was thrilled with it. And I wasn't even hungry. And that's something. But... That's glory. It, it's the same kind of thing when you get involved in, in politics and, and your man or woman is running for the office and, and you don't know them, but you, you, you believe in them and you get attached to them and you start making posters and everything and you start saying, we are going to win the election. We are going to do this. We are going to do that. Well, well, we were pitching down there in San Francisco. We were, you know. He did all the work, but he took me along with him. And he took our family along with him. See, we, we, it's transcendence. It's above and beyond normal living. And that's what God is asking us to do. When Steve puts up those pictures, and every time one of those people were baptized, every, every time they went down to the water, I thought, wow, we're part of that. We're part of that. That's, that's the gospel, the kingdom operating in India. 
through Stephen Brenda and others that are supporting that. When I read in, in Steve's newsletter that he's hang gliding off of a mountain in India, I go, that rat. We, we support him, he goes over and he's hang gliding. <laughs> and what's he doing? He's going up in those communities and hanging. Those people go, I've never seen anything like this before. What are you people doing up here? What are you doing? And you come into a community that would, if you walked in there with your Bible and said, I'm a preacher and you guys are sinners and you know what, you need to straighten up. They go, we've, we've heard of you guys before. No, you go in there and you hang glide and you build relationships and then they go, what's going on? I said, well, this is what's going on. Let me share some things about life. I'm thrilled when I read those things. I love testimonies. You stand up in church and you tell me what God has done in your life. That's not me, but I'm thrilled at what God's doing in your life. It takes me with you into that kingdom of God. It's above and beyond the mundane things of life. That's what Paul was trying to tell us. This is not about cleaning up your act. It really doesn't have too much to do with that at all. It has everything to do with realizing you're in your kingdom, that God has given you this, you, you have a glimpse of the glory of God. There are several other glories he gives us. He gives us the glory of stewardship. We can look around us and see what God has created. And, and look, life is a little bigger than me. There, there's a lot of other things out there that I can care for and, and, and help with and enjoy. But I can be a steward. It's the glory of stewardship. There's the glory of companionship, the glory of community. Right from the beginning, Adam, he, Adam was never intended to be Adam's best friend. Eve was. And right from that beginning, there's the glory of community. It's something above and beyond my work day. It's something above and beyond the refrigerator that quit that we just had to replace. It's beyond that. It is... It is folks coming to Christ and growing in Christ and sharing with one another about Christ and then in that process helping each other to grow in Christ and to make it in this world one way or another. The glory of community, the glory of the Christian community. Steve coming here, just it, 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 it highlights that for us. We, through the miracle of communications that we have today, we can be there. We can see it. We can rejoice in it. See, God doesn't intend for us to live in this little kingdom that we keep wanting to build that is my stuff, my things, my way, my goals, my plans. That's not where he wants us to live. Those things are things that we do, but that's not where he wants us to live. He wants us to live in his glory. He wants us to live, seeing his kingdom, seeing his purposes, 
seeing his love, seeing his forgiveness, seeing his mercy being worked out in other people that we know. That's where he wants us to live. He wants us to run everything that we do in a day through that filter of the kingdom of God. So when we begin to get that in our minds and understand that, then when he gets over to saying, you need to get rid of your bitterness, you need to get rid of your talking bad about other people, you need to get rid of... It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I do. Why? Because those things are squeezing me into a little kingdom that I don't want to live in. I want to live in that bigger kingdom. I want to live in the, circum, in, the, in the world that's above the circumstances of my life. Yes, I may have to go through cancer. Yes, I may have to go through poverty. Yes, I may have to go through broken relationships of one kind or another. But, but I want to go through those with my hand in the hand of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who says, I'm walking you through this. Someday those things are all going to be gone. Someday we, that temptation to sin, the brokenness of this world is going to be gone. And you're going to be in my presence forever. But I, but I want to have that assurance and that experience looking forward to it, but also experiencing it today. Let me, let, let me close with this idea. Talked about Scott and Gina and how, how thrilled a set of parents are. And if you watched it, Amy G interviewed him on TV, and oh my gosh, it was just, if you're a Giants fan, it was awesome. If you're not, well, you're rooting for the wrong team. But anyway, um, the thrill for a parent, okay? And how excited and glorious that is for them. I want to tell you something. The next day, Scott and Gina got on a car and headed up here. And Scott said, I got to go by and see my brother Steve. Because Steve has been rebelling against the Lord for years. In and out of one marriage, in and out of one relationship after another. Denying the love and grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that he knew was true. He said, Gina, I don't know if it's going to take five minutes or three hours, but I've got to stop and see Steve. Well, we um, had the opportunity to go golfing, Scott and I, and, and uh, And um, you know what we talked about the most? Steve coming to repentance. Wow. There's great things in this earth, but there's nothing like a sinner who comes home. Nothing like it. So next Sunday is the sermon title is Shrink Wrapped. Christians.
And I, I want to see if I can communicate to you what happens to us when we narrow our little kingdom down so small about our stuff and our things and our future and our security and our, our family and our, our ministry, when we narrow it down so small that we miss the big picture. We miss enjoying the glories and kingdom of God at this time. And I want to tell you, friend, I, I couldn't possibly know everybody that's here, but if, if you're stuck in this little kingdom world of your own and you haven't experienced the love and joy and forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ with his big kingdom, you need to. You need, you, you need to transfer kingdoms. <laughs> you need to exit the one kingdom and get into the other kingdom. And you do that by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He'll pay for your sin now and forever. He'll get you and put you in a relationship and in a position that you can enjoy the God of this universe, not only today and tomorrow, but forever. I urge you and I pray for you that you do that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you built us for something much greater than our little kingdoms. Your glory, the glory of your creation and and the opportunity we have to be stewards of it, the glory of community, how that friends and neighbors and total strangers can reflect your power, your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we can be part of that community. We can receive our energy from that community. We can get a helping hand from that community. And Lord, you gave us another glory, one that I don't think I mentioned yet, but it's the glory of truth. You've given us your word, your truth, and it stands out above all man's opinions. All the great philosophers of the world don't get it. It's your truth. It's revealed to man in the Holy Scripture. It's made clear and plain to us through the Holy Spirit. We are helped in that by teachers and pastors who, who come alongside of us and explain things to us. Lord, we thank you for that glory, the glory of truth. We thank you for this body of believers right here this morning. In Christ's name, amen.